You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. there is hope, hope for those who can't go back and change the past, maybe through multiple broken relationships. You can't go back and change it, but you can find forgiveness. And no matter what the relationship and what we're learning here, I hope you'll appreciate goes beyond marriage relationship. Either any relationship that's been strained or broken can be reconciled through the gospel or what in the world is the gospel? What are we doing? Either the gospel is true or it's not. Whether it's a failing marriage or a toxic relationship, it can be extremely easy to lose hope for reconciliation in our relationships at times. However, as easy as it might be to throw in the towel, we as believers shouldn't be as quick to do so. Pastor Danny will teach you in his message today, since we've been reconciled to God, we too should seek to reconcile with others. In his study, you'll learn the importance of loving, forgiving, and pursuing others just as Christ pursued you. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Mark chapter 10 as he begins his message, How to Avoid Divorce and More. Mark chapter 10, I'm going to read the passage again where we're springboarding from. So if you have your Bible, hope you do, take a quick look. Mark chapter 10, verse 1, Jesus then left that place and went into the region of Judea and across the Jordan. Again, crowds of people came to him and as was his custom, he taught them. Some Pharisees came and tested him by asking, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? What did Moses command you? In other words, what's in your Bible? They said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. And then Jesus says, it was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law. But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. So they're no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. When they were in the house again, the disciples asked Jesus about this, and he answered, anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. Now, what you don't have here are all the biblical allowances for divorce. For example, and we're not going to get into it today, but one, uh, 1 Corinthians 7, if you get married and one spouse becomes a believer after you get married, and of course, after becoming a Christian, they ought to be a better spouse than they were before they were a Christian, right? But even if they're doing that, if the unbeliever doesn't want to be married now to a Christian and they leave, if I understand my Bible correctly, then the believing spouse who is an innocent party in that situation is free. And my understanding in the context is free to remarry. 
And then you have things that are, well, they're challenging like abuse, physical abuse. So there are issues that are real issues. And what happened in this day, there were two overall schools of thought. And the rabbis debated to come up with these two schools of thought for years and years and years. And the debate centered around Deuteronomy 24, verse 1. If a man marries a woman who becomes displeasing to him because he finds something indecent about her. Old King James Version finds some uncleanness in her. Then he writes her certificate of divorce, gives it to her and sends her from his house. And that was the whole debate. Okay, what's uncleanness? What, what's, what's under that umbrella? What's indecent? And you, you had emerge a liberal school of thought and a conservative school of thought, and it's still with us today. Rabbi Hylel taught that a man could divorce his wife for any number of reasons, including walking about with her hair down in public. Now, that was a cultural thing. Uh, it included speaking to men publicly on the street speaking disrespectfully of her husband's parents in his presence. And get this one, and again, I'm not making it up, spoiling the dinner. Now, Rabbi uh, Akiba added to that uh, school of thought, uh, you could also have grounds for divorce if you found another woman more beautiful. Well, that's easy to do, just look at Hollywood. The school of Shammai was the conservative school of thought, And they limited grounds for divorce biblically to something that had to do with sexual immorality. So you have these two schools of thought. And there's still challenges today. What are grounds for divorce? Now, Jesus brings them back to the will of God regarding marriage. That's what he does. Now, I put this verse up and I'm just going to do it again quickly. God says in Malachi, I hate divorce. Now, don't misunderstand that. God doesn't say, I hate divorced people, or I hate people that are headed for divorce. That's not what he says. God loves people. And here's what we better be careful for. I didn't say this last week, but we better be careful that we don't treat people in the church that are divorced, and some multiple times, or that are headed for divorce like they have leprosy. You better go look in the mirror, all of us, including me. All right, let's be careful that we treat people like Jesus would treat them. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. And the church is full of broken people and broken relationships and broken marriages and struggling marriages. And either, either there is hope, hope for those who can't go back and change the past, maybe through multiple broken relationships, you can't go back and change it, but you can find forgiveness. And no matter what the relationship and what we're learning here, I hope you'll appreciate goes beyond marriage relationship. Either any relationship that's been strained or broken can be reconciled through the gospel or what in the world is the gospel? What are we doing? Either the gospel is true or it's not. There was no greater divide between Jew and Gentile. And in the church, that, that difference has been reconciled through the cross. So don't get me started on that one, but I'd... And divorce is not the unpardonable sin. I got so many scriptures, no, I'm not going to take time to go, but uh, God's first two kids had some pretty serious marriage issues, Adam and Eve. And the first thing affected by sin is the marriage relationship. And then the first children brought into that struggling relationship because of sin. Cain and Abel, they had some issues too. First murder happened, first children of God's first children And one brother killed the other one. 
and you go through the Bible, it's one dysfunctional family situation after another. You go read Matthew chapter one, the human genealogy of Jesus Christ. And if you know anything about the Bible, stop and pause. I've circled some names in there and you got one dysfunctional situation after another. That's all the Bible is. It's full of broken humanity that God heals through the cross. Either this verse is true or it's not. And it's true. This is the victory that's overcome the world, even our faith. And so had one lady in the church very sincerely encouraged me, sent me an email, very encouraged, very sincerely encouraged me not to spend time on this subject because of broken families and children that are affected. And I understand all that, but my goodness, the divorce rate is, is the same and sometimes worse than it is in the, in the world. We have to talk about these things. And relationships, again, that go beyond marriage. And many of you singles that are going to make the choice of a lifetime and, and who, to, who to say I do for the rest of your life, that's the intention. And what we're going to cover, we won't get to a lot of it today, but we're going to cover before we're done, especially in the singleness uh, one, is how to choose a mate. And I'll hit on that a little bit, I think, today. How to choose a mate. And uh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Don't let me do that. My marriage testimony is similar to the struggle that Jacob had with the two women in his life, Rachel and Leah. So go with me to Genesis chapter 29. And today, one main focus, we may hit a little little things here and there, but one main focus today, and I think you'll get it. Genesis chapter 29, and I'm not going to read every verse. The context is Jacob and Esau. Esau is Jacob's older brother technically, but they're twins, uh, at least in terms of birth. Uh, they look different though. Esau was a hairy man and Jacob was a fair-skinned guy. Jacob is, uh, Esau is like a grizzly Adams. He's a hunter guy. And, and uh, Jacob was a guy who stayed home and helped his mom with the bagels, you know. Well, Jacob ends up stealing his brother's birthright because as the firstborn, first one that came out from, you know, being born and Jacob's right behind him and Jacob gets his name because he's grabbing his brother's heel in birth. And so they named him Heel Grabber, which has a lot of suggestions. He's a dirty, rotten, sneaky thief. And he lived it out too, his name. Because with his mother's help, Rebecca's help, uh, she comes up with a plan to steal the birthright because her favorite son was Jacob and Isaac's favorite son was Esau. And if you know the story, uh, mom dresses uh, Jacob up and puts uh, this hair on him and, and makes him smell and look and feel like Esau. Well, Isaac is so old now, he's technically blind, really, he would be. And so uh, Jacob comes before him and he smells like Esau and he, he feels him and all, but, but he's suspicious and yet, and yet he gives him the blessing of the firstborn. And the great, the funny thing there is Genesis 25 prophesied, God prophesied, Jacob didn't have to manipulate anything. He didn't have to live out Jacob, heel grabber, because God had prophesied the older will serve the younger. God was going to turn it topsy-turvy. All he needed to do is trust God. But isn't that the great challenge in life? No, I trust you, Lord, but I'm going to work my way in here and I'm going to manipulate a little bit because I'm going to help you out. That's what Abraham tried to do, you know, when God said, you and your wife are going to have a child. And they said, well, maybe it's through Hagar. That wasn't the plan. And then the mess up there is still with us today. So Jacob here, having stolen the birthright, which he didn't have to do. And now Esau says, when dad dies, so do you. And Jacob is running for his life. And he's going to Uncle Laban's house. Verse 16, 
Now, Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah. The name of the younger was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel was lovely in form and beautiful. So humanly speaking, Rachel's a knockout. In the beauty contest, she'd win over her sister any day. Jacob was in love with Rachel and said, I'll work for you seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, it's better that I give her to you than to some other man. Stay here with me. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. I mean, this guy's really in love. And then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife. My time is completed. I want to lie with her. In other words, it's been seven years. I'm ready to go on the honeymoon. And who wouldn't after seven years? Engagement. So Laban brought together all the people of the place and gave a feast. But when evening came, he took his daughter Leah and gave her to Jacob, and Jacob lay with her. Now, we're not given the details of how he pulled this off. But in that culture, they would wear veils, thick veils. So at the wedding, uh, not only the veil, but maybe it's an evening wedding. I don't know the details, but somehow he pulls off switching Leah for Rachel. And Jacob doesn't know until the next morning. Verse 25, when morning came, there was Leah. Imagine waking up and go, who are you? You're not the one I said I do to. Well, you said it, whether you know it was me or not. And here we are. Can you imagine the shock? So Jacob said to Laban, what is this you've done to me? I served you for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? Now, there's more than one answer to that question. Let me give you the first answer to that question. Why have you deceived me? Because it runs in the family. Laban's just like Jacob, and Jacob's just like Laban. Laban replied, it's not our custom here to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one. What an out. That's not an out. Finish this daughter's bride a week, then we'll give you the younger one also in return for another seven years of work. And Jacob did so. He finished the week with Leah, and then Laban gave him his daughter Rachel to be his wife. Verse 30. Jacob lay with Rachel also, and he loved Rachel more than Leah. That was me for 13 years. They tell me over the years I'm transparent. I I guess it is what it is. Nobody knew but me and God. My wife told a story. I'll just say again, reminder uh, of last week. I met a girl and dated her for a period of time. My second year at Christian college, it was a very pure relationship. It was a godly relationship. And I was in love with her. And um, I thought she's the one for me. She's God's will for my life. Well, fast forward, you know, I was busy in college. And anyway, we didn't, we didn't end up staying together. And um, she ended up getting married to another guy. Uh, I didn't think he measured up to me at all. But, you know, I shouldn't have thrown, I shouldn't have said that. Uh, but she ended up getting married. She got five kids, grandkids and all. So that's, you know, a done deal. Uh, but, but every relationship after that, every girl I ever was romantically inclined toward, I compared to her. Her name's Tammy. And so she was my Leah. And so I've always liked my wife and I loved my wife, but not the way I loved this girl. And nobody knew but me. And here's what happens. Here's what happens. When you really come to believe that you will never be uh, as happy as you could be in marriage unless you have them, you feed that 
and you'll come to a place you believe it. You know, people do it on Facebook. They'll go back and they'll get on Facebook and, and Facebook's a blessing and a curse. I don't even get on it anymore. Uh, but you know, they'll go on, they'll see the picture of the one that they had the relationship with, with or the one they wanted the relationship with. Now, let me give you a little good advice. Uh, the picture they have on Facebook is probably not current. But you need to start fantasizing and you start believing, oh, if I just had them. No, no, look, it's a lie, but it's a believable lie. Jacob loved Rachel more than Leah. I can't tell you how many times after a marriage retreat or conference or us sharing our testimony, my wife and I have people come up. Sometimes they'll come up together as a couple. Sometimes they'll come up and the wife will come up and say, can I talk to one of you? You know, and I'll say, Let Wendy, talk to her. Or if it's a guy, I'll talk to the guy. And, and you, I, I've lost count of the times. And, and without exception, every single time we share our marriage testimony. And sometimes it's the guy who has the Tammy figure image. Sometimes it's the girl. And let's call him the Tommy. Okay. But either way, they, they have this thing of some relationship that hadn't worked out or somebody that they're, they're you know, and, and they're believing that they can never be happy in the relationship they're in, the marriage they're in, unless they have the other person. I mean, without exception, we, we hear that all the time. It's a fantasy. It's a lie. But it's a believable lie. Now, let me throw this in real quick before we move on. Under three things, the Lord says the earth trembles. Under four, it cannot bear up. And the third is an unloved woman who is married. And I don't know if you can appreciate the full implication of that. The foundation of society are successful, happy, godly marriages. And whenever you don't have godly marriages, then that, that society is hurting. There's no solid foundation there. Now let's go with the story. Please pay attention. Please pay attention to this. Verse 31 of Genesis 29. When the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he opened her womb. But Rachel was barren. Why was Rachel barren? We'll come back to that. God blesses Leah, but Leah wrongly thinks that the children now added to the marriage relationship will help solve the problems between her and her husband. Mm-mm-mm. Leah became pregnant, gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben. For she said, it is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. And Reuben means he has seen my misery. In other words, Leah's praying to the Lord. God opens her womb and she takes that as the blessing of the Lord, which it is, it is. But she thinks now that we have a child, God has seen my misery in being the unloved wife. And now things are going to change with my husband. But nothing changes. Verse 33, she conceived again. And when she gave birth to a son, she said, because the Lord heard me, heard that I'm not loved. He gave me this one too. So she named him Simeon. And Simeon means one who hears. In other words, now I know, Lord, the second child, now things are going to change in my relationship with my husband. But they don't. Third verse of the story Verse 34, again, she conceived, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, now at last my husband will become attached to me because I've borne him three sons. So he was named Levi, which means attached. 
And in these days, they would name children a lot of times prophetically or in light of the circumstance they were going through. And that's what's happening here. So as time passes and she's still the unloved spouse, verse 35, she conceived again. And when she gave birth to a son, she said, this time I will praise the Lord. And she named him Judah, which means praise. Now pause and look at me. Certainly these children are a blessing from the Lord, but Leah wrongly thinks that it's through the children that things will change with her spouse. And now after at least four years and probably more go by, and now the fourth child, and now she comes to the place where nothing has changed, she's still the unloved spouse, but now she says, my focus is going to be totally on the Lord. And she names him Praise. Be a man. When you come to the place in life where everything is just the Lord now, and you're not dependent on the children or any human element, even those tied to the blessing of God. And when your focus now is, Lord, I'm just going to focus on you because you're the only one that can change the situation. And at that point, that's a wonderful point because you see at that point, it's at that point that God can begin to build in you faith despite your circumstances despite how you're treated, despite what's going on in your life. And you say, Lord, I'm just going to focus on you because you are the only one that can do what needs to be done here. And that's where she comes, to that place. And that's when spiritual growth, that's when spiritual growth really takes place. Now, chapter 30, I'm not going to read it. Let me tell you what chapter 30 is. Chapter 30 is a soap opera in real life. You read it on your own. Let me tell you what it is. It's Jacob in a relationship with two women, and these two women are striving and manipulating for his affection and his love. That's what chapter 30 is. And here's what happens in time. Jacob has some character flaws removed. And he comes to a place that he begins to grow. Leah is now beginning to grow in faith. And now Jacob, you see it, for example, in Genesis chapter 32. Esau, after years, is coming to meet Jacob. Jacob is scared to death. Jacob is praying. Jacob is asking the Lord, oh, Lord, you know, help me, you know. And Jacob, verse 24 in this situation is left all alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. He would be lame from this. Then the man said, let me go for it's daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Well, that's the way Jacob works. No way, I'm, you make a deal with me, you bless me. And the man asked him, well, what's your name? Excellent question, huh? Heel grabber. And the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, 
but Israel. We're so thankful to be able to share the Word of God with you here on The Living Word. Thanks for being a part of our listening audience. If you want to hear today's message again, please visit ccfstpete.church. You can also join in our Bible reading plan. Just look under the Resources tab on our website for more information. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to take a moment to ask you to partner with us here on The Living Word. Would you join with us in praying for the listeners of this program? You might not realize how powerful prayer can be, especially during such uncertain times. There might be a listener who's really struggling, and God might stir in their heart a renewal of their faith simply by listening to this program. Please pray that each person who hears these messages would find encouragement. Just as we're reminded in Mark, God came to earth as a human, suffered in all the ways we do, and ultimately came to redeem each one of us. That's the takeaway we hope every listener gains from tuning in. Please pray for us also to seek God's will for this program and for it to continue to reach people in a powerful way. Thanks for praying with and for us. With that, we've come to the end of our time with you today. Thanks for joining us as Pastor Danny continued looking at the book of Mark. We hope that you'll tune in again right here on The Living Word.